0: Welcome to this very special bonus episode of Your Fest, the podcast that is all about festivals. I am one of your hosts, Johnny Sharples, and I'm joined as ever and always by my mustachioed co-host, the lang sign to my old. It's Tommy Stewart. Tommy, how are you doing? It's the final time we're opening the doors of the Your Fest planning committee for 2020.
1: Yeah, wow, what a year it's been. Um, not much has happened, has it? Uh, other than the inception of this podcast, that's probably the biggest thing. But yeah, I'm good. It's uh, Christmas time, which is not the usual Christmas time that we're all used to. But, you know, hopefully we can talk about some daft imaginary festivals to either cheer you up or just carry on the good mood.
0: Yeah. And for anybody that's not listened before, one, why are you starting with a bonus episode at the end of the year? And two, would you like to explain the concept of what this podcast is usually all about to them?
1: OK, I'll do that in uh, reverse order, if you don't mind, Johnny. Uh, so the usual concept of the podcast, every guest, every week we invite a different guest on to talk about the Dream Festival lineup, uh, three headliners across three days, choose days of the week and a name for said festival. Uh, then I'll go back to your second question. This week we are doing things a little bit differently as it is a bonus episode. As it's Christmas time, we thought you guys might want to kind of know a little bit about our uh, festivals. However, we have said on previous podcasts, we will not reveal our own Dream Festival lineups until this podcast ends, which is hopefully never. But this week, we will be looking back at some of the best episodes and our... So we'll basically do a lineup across three days. We'll choose a location that one of our guests has chosen and then we'll choose a different day uh, for across three days for a different guest so we'll choose one of our previous guests days uh three days did that make sense
0: sort of and uh matt Horram will be pleased <laughs> to know that there are rules in place for this episode so we have to have everybody that that guest picked on their day we can't just pick one of the bands that they picked and we also can only pick one day from each guest Whereas I can pick one Ed Gamble Day, Tommy can pick a different Ed Gamble Day, but neither of us can pick two Ed Gamble Days or any of the other festivals, any of the guests. We're not singling out Ed. Sorry, Ed, if you're listening. Anyway, should we get right to this, Tommy?
1: Let's do it,
0: baby. This is bonus episode of Your Fest. Let's go.
1: Go, go, go.
0: Ding, da, ding, da, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Tommy and Johnny, welcome to the Your Fest Planning Committee. How are we doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Johnny. How are you? I'm very well. Tommy?
1: I'm doing very well. Thanks, Johnny and Tommy. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very doing very well.
0: well. <laughs> yeah. As we say, this is a very special bonus episode of the podcast where we'll be mashing up. We love a good mashup. Just ask Jay Z in Lincoln Park, mashing <sighs> up the different festivals that we've had on this podcast. To create our own dream festival based on what previous guests have picked for theirs. Um, We'll be picking a location as well where our other guests have picked their dream festivals. So shall we start off? Tommy, you do like festivals. Me, Johnny, I don't like festivals and neither of us have ever been to Latitude. So let's get straight to our own dream festivals, starting with the location. Tommy, do you want to go first? What is your location and who originally picked it?
1: Well... First of all, Johnny, I should say that. Um, so this concept, as as was the podcast itself, was uh, Johnny's idea. But I have absolutely have um, had sleepless nights over this, mate. I'm not gonna lie; it's been um, it's been torturous trying to come up with this because, and I say this not in a uh, not in a sick of way, but genuinely, pretty much every guest there is. I would go to at least a day of their dream festival. Um, But my location for my dream festival, uh, I think if anyone's listened to this podcast before, and uh, I'm assuming Johnny's listened, he's certainly been here while we've recorded them. uh, It's probably not hard to guess that my dream location out of all the previous guests would be Felix White's location of the Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne cricket ground, so the hundred thousand capacity MCG uh, in Melbourne, which is, and not just for the fact that it is a cricket ground, um, which I know seems pretty bloody obvious with my uh, previous utterance across this thing, but um, it's like I, I have always wanted to go there, but I just do think as as this podcast has evolved i've kind of you know been drawn more and more away from like the the idea of camping and stuff so i see it as a three days and we just keep going back much like you do at primavera um please uh, give us free tickets but much like you do at primavera it's all in one spot and then you go your separate way at the end of the night and then you come back and i just think somewhere with that sort of you know that seating and it's almost gladiatorial uh, fishbowl like are you surprised by my selection, Johnny? Um
0: A bit surprised. I thought you might go with um, Lagos, which is where um, Maisie Adam held her festival because it's got that sort of did Barcelona-ish, so, yeah. sort of Iberian vibe. Um, I also thought, I did think you'd go for the MCG, but you also got the choice of a different cricket ground if you fancy the summer in Southampton. Why would you pick Southampton over Melbourne? Who could really say? Um, but no, I think that's a good choice. It's an unsurprising <laughs> choice. Anybody that's ever listened to this podcast ever before would know that um, cricket is obviously very closely into your heart. Um, you you hide it very well, admittedly.
1: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, I, I I um actually, Johnny said I can't mention what I'm wearing on my head, but I am wearing a I've fashioned a summer cricket hat into a cowboy hat on my head, which Yeehaw. is pretty, bloody cool. Yeehaw. Um, but I, I um no that like that Lagos did come into consideration. Um. But this one was, excuse me, the only other issue I had was um, with this. The difficult thing about it was this aspect that it had to be different and ours had to be different from each other. So for the benefit of the listener, I knew Johnny's but he didn't know mine so I could so basically uh, there was a day I was tempted by with Felix and it was the, um, the Bob Dylan and the band and after watching that documentary that he recommended, that was good. But the mcg outweighed my uh, my desire for that in the end and there was enough good days across uh to be able to to uh negate that day so am i asking you are we doing yours now are we going one by Are we? Are yeah we, i are think we sparring? should like a penalty, like penalty shootout yeah. Shoot yeah cool okay uh what about yours mate
0: Like you, I had some considerations as to where I would want my festival to be. The first consideration was Andy Zaltzman put it in outer space because that would mean very few other people would want to come to my festival, which is always an ideal situation for me. I would want to be (laughs) the only person there. (laughs) Very few other people disrupting my day. Uh, The other one was um, the Magic Gang put it in um, the Eden Project, which means I could stay with my mum and dad and I don't have to travel too far. I've been to gigs at the Eden project before and it's a great venue it's a great location um before I reveal my where I've chosen to have it we should also say that um we had two different people pick Little St James which was uh Jeffrey Epstein's island. and um the first time me and Tommy had it we were quite taken aback which was when Dame Baptiste picked it and then we were (laughs) even more taken aback when Asim Chowdhury picked it again um it's the only place was it like three episodes later yeah, well, yeah. In, in terms of our recording schedule, yeah, it was it was very shortly after. Um, <laughs> I won't want to go there once, never mind twice. Um,
1: but yeah. it's uh, it's the only I place. Mean, I where suppose, we like the, the aspect. Yeah, that's that. Um, you know what? I didn't even think about that. That is mad. That is the only in twenty five episodes. That's the only place, and it's such a specific place. I guess I, I suppose it was quite topical at that time, but. Um, I mean, conceptually speaking, I and mean, in terms of like the climate and where you'd have a festival, like yeah, it's it's bloody amazing. And very, very fire festival uh vibes as well, I think about that. Um but if, you yeah, want that's bizarre. if you want to
0: pick somewhere topical, just go for like Joe Exotics, you know, zoo. You <laughs> don't have to be Little St. James. <laughs> go for Wuhan. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> God, that is, um, that literally feels like a different lifetime. Like that is, what was that? Eight, nine months ago. That genuinely feels like that. All, when all those things are topical, it feels like looking back to like the the mid 2000s or something.
0: I, I love 2020. Me and Tommy, we will be talking heads on that when it's shown on Channel 5 in in eight years time. So I haven't picked Little St James. I have gone with a place which is sort of close to my heart. There were two uh, different festivals that were located up in the northeast. One was Nathan from Martha's Durham uh, based festival. But instead, I've gone with Lauren Pattinson's Time Mouth um, based festival. She piggybacked on the back of a different festival. That's fair enough. Ivo Graham did exactly the same thing. But... um, St. Gallen doesn't quite have the same place in my heart as as the Northeast. Um so I went with Time Mouth and it's a bit further out of Newcastle, but you can stay in Newcastle and travel over, get the metro over to Time Mouth, watch some fantastic bands that other people have. How picked. far is it? Um, a few miles, not too far. It's on the beach, which I hate beaches, um, but there's lovely beaches, mainly stone beaches up there. But um, yeah, brilliant place to have a festival. Um but Tommy, we're not picking names for this. We're not stealing other people's names. And I know you've been fond of some of the names we've had. Um, Matt Horan had some good ones. Um, Clastonbury from Suze Kempner was good. Um, Glaston Ferry, which is the one you particularly liked from Matt Horan, um, which was then vetoed so he could go with something else.
1: Andy Zaltzman had a good one that... God, what was it?
0: Andy Zaltzman had about fifteen different names for his festival. We got—if anyone's a fan of the bugle—we got a, a free pun run for the long list of names that Andy Zaltzman considered and turned. Yeah, out. you know
1: what? Because I, I only know him from—I only like really know him from cricket. But that—that uh, that week when I was editing that pod and um, when I was editing his episode, and from you telling me about it, and I'm a massive John Oliver fan, anyway. I went and I went back and listened to it cause I completely missed the boat at the time. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, well, I, I'm, we shouldn't pick favorites, but, um, and I doubt he's listening to this, but at the time I was like, is this quite like, you know, is this that funny? Is this like, <laughs> is this a bit like boring? Is it a bit weird? i listen back and I think it's like one of my very favorite episodes. Like he's, he's so funny and, yeah, we did get a free episode of the Bugle because I started listening to some, like, some clips of that on YouTube. So that's just a, that's just a shout-out to Andy Zoltzman, an absolute legend.
0: I think I also enjoyed uh, Lloyd Griffith's just uh naming his <laughs> festival after the postcode of where Blundell Park in, Gr- sorry, in Cleethorpes is. Um, yeah, yeah. We've had some good names. The Heath from uh, Max Rushton, keeping it very
1: simple, just the location... Oh, Ed Gamble, Evil Picnic, that's a great one.
0: I should say as well, in terms of Ed Gamble's Evil Picnic Festival, he did specify that he wanted umlauts over every single letter. Now, if anybody from ACAST, which hosts our podcast, is listening... Please make it possible to include umlauts over every single letter. <laughs> because when I tried to put that in, I found it, I went on Wikipedia, I found the article for that had umlauts over every single letter, um, copied and pasted, took my time to copy and paste every single one over to ACAST, oh, and when I saved you. it as a draft, a lot of them just turned into rectangles. <laughs> now, I hasten to add rectangles without umlauts over the top of them. So <laughs> If you're listening, Ed, yeah. my apologies that we didn't uh, fulfil your wishes in terms of having umlauts. Yeah, every sorry. Single Ed. Letter.
1: Sorry, Ed. Uh, this has just become like a. This has just become an AGM, hasn't it? This is just logistical issues of the Yorfest uh, planning committee over the year. This is just airing <laughs> airing our grievances. <laughs> yeah. Well, is and... the day of recording is is festivus? Is the day of festivus, which is the day to air your grievances? So, yeah. Very true. I, I, I've got a lot of problem with you people and I'm going to tell you why.
0: Which this, this is turning to. he's going to bring up DJ Spoonie in a minute if we're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, we've got locations <laughs> for our two festivals now. Tommy, do you want to take the lead? What is day one of your festival at the Melbourne Cricket Ground?
1: Can you uh, just please tell the listener, and I can take this out if you want, uh, what your friend said about... Uh, now that it's been mentioned twice by other guests, what was said about because I know for a fact, I know Nahal, I know he won't be listening. What did your friend say about Nahal picking DJ Spoonie? It wasn't DJ Spoonie, it was
0: example.
1: Oh sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> and somebody I know, a listener of the podcast, they will remain anonymous for the purposes yeah. of we don't want yeah. no. We,
1: we didn't say this, we didn't say this, we didn't say this.
0: But we don't want also don't want Nahal to put a bouncy on this person's head. Um because you know we, we don't want that responsibility over us. We've already killed, Asim killed off enough people at his festival, we don't need any more <laughs> um, to happen. But my friend said that um, he couldn't believe that Nahal picked Example, because Example's mum wouldn't even pick Example.
1: oh uh, which is just the oh I love that sorry uh, I'm I'm so glad we got that out it, it just feels like one of those things we've been um you know on friends when they all know that um it, it's nothing like this but you know it just feels like a big I've, I've wanted to get that off our collective chest for a while because it makes me laugh every time we talk about it um,
0: it's like we've unredacted like un- the Panama Papers. Yeah.
1: Live on- <laughs> Because, well, the thing is, the funny thing is I've had to edit that out, that anecdote, out, at least twice, I think. I think we mentioned it with Matching when he was uh, going on about and a half picking DJ Spoonies. So, yeah, that's out there now. Johnny may tell me on um, Sunday night when I'm, like, doing my last-minute edit to remove it, but hopefully it stays. Um, anyway, so my festival, I've gone for... Do you want my, my days of the week?
0: Nah, no, we won't bother with days of the week. We're, we're both... For days of the week, we're both going with... Should we both go Friday, Saturday, Sunday?
1: Well, I went... <clears throat> excuse me. I went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just because I can't remember... Who some, one of our guests said this. Maybe a couple said it. But Sunday's kind of like a day... Like, maybe the festival's still open on a Sunday, but, you like, it's a hangover day, day of rest day. I, 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 but either or, doesn't really matter, does it? But for the first night, anyway god so this is one of the hardest decisions I've had to make in my life uh which shows what a life I've had but uh so it was a Dane it was a Dane day a Dane Baptiste day and a perfect day to open any festival and the thing about Dane's days he had well Dane's festival he had um comedians, a comedian and like a big act on each day. Um, And I'm like his tasting, Johnny always takes the piss out of me. He's saying I'm I'm very, I'm too American in my tastes, which is true probably, Um, except to like cricket, not baseball. But I opted for, so he had two days, which are kind of like both dreams for me. He had Michael Jackson and Bill Hicks on the same day And then he had Prince and Joan Rivers on the same day. And I think we all know I'd pick Prince. I haven't necessarily picked him yet. Um, Bill Hicks, one of my favourite comedians ever. Joan Rivers, uh, I am a big fan of, but I'm not as familiar with her work. Michael Jackson, uh, before the documentary and stuff, I had posters on my wall. Like I love Michael Jackson and Prince. I I do prefer Prince. Maybe that's with uh, with (laughs) with hindsight of Michael Jackson uh, being alleged paedophile. Um, so I very nearly went, I was talking to my brother, Rich, who's been mentioned on this podcast many times before. I was talking to him a couple of nights ago about this. And I said, you know what? Cause of Bill Hicks, I think I'm going to go for the MJ one. But then Johnny sent me for Christmas, a lovely Prince candle in the post. And I think it would just be a betrayal to Johnny, myself, the listeners of this podcast, if I didn't pick Prince. So I've gone for Prince and Joan Rivers. And then also I remember that we did say as well, because uh, we've, we've, um, we've had three Prince days and Johnny was taking the piss saying I'd, I'd probably pick three different performances of Prince uh, from different guests we've had. But I remembered that we put in Dave Chappelle and Rick James, like the whole, like the sketch of that as well. So we had Dave Chappelle, Prince as well, and, and Joan Rivers. So yeah, that's my first night, Prince and Joan Rivers from uh, Dame Baptiste.
0: I should say, Dane, Dane came with this concept of his festival that everyone that would perform at it is dead, already, and his whole idea was to bring back life onto onto Jeffrey Epstein's island, Little Saint James. Yeah, it's great but this when someone. In the MCG. Yeah, it is great when someone, one of our guests, comes on with a concept that they carry all the way through the festival. And I think, I think Dane was the first one to really do that, that from start to yeah, finish, he, he wanted his concept.
1: And he was, yeah, he was vigilant with it. He was stubborn with it, and hilarious and like I I felt that that was the first episode and possibly the only one where um some of the people me or Johnny loosely know um some we just you know we get on Twitter and I don't know people pass it on to each other and and whatnot but um he was the first one especially when I was editing it and I, I think I messaged Johnny saying like this is like this guy is so intelligent like some of the some of the stuff he's saying is just like it was so interesting. A, a lot of love for that episode and his lineup. I, to be honest, him and another guest who I will bring up, who, who is one of my days, their whole festival could have been my whole festival pretty much. Um, but yes, that's enough for Dane and Prince. I've not I'm gone too to long. Ask... Go on, sorry.
0: Yeah. I'm going to ask ask the big question, and you can edit this this out if I've if I've preempted Go on. something. I'm going to have to ask you, and our listeners will probably be wondering as well, you've mentioned that we've had three different Prince Days. What was it about Dane's Prince Day that made you pick that
1: one in particular? Um, it was, okay, so good question. Uh, so who else do we have? Matching, which was also with, um, so Matt and Matching, which was with uh, Tina Turner, am I right? It was open. I think so. Even though he's a stickler for the rules, whatever. Okay, much, and and I know he'll be listening. Actually, love you, really, mate. Um, and who was the other one? Who was the other prince? Chris,
0: Chris Warburton had hey. Prince, and uh...
1: oh yeah, I've got that here somewhere. Chris had uh... ding ding
0: ding ding ding. Yes, Get up. okay.
1: Get on up. I can't remember
0: what
1: he's called now. Get up, James Brown. Brown. James Brown. Right, okay. Okay, no, this, it's fine. I will keep this in. But basically, I had to have, um, I mean, James Brown and Prince and Gil Scott Heron, like, like, there's so much of that. I'm just reading it now. Uh, that that was massively, like, I would prefer that to Prince and Joan Rivers, to be honest. But Chris had another day, uh, which I had to have. I had to have, like... There was no way I couldn't have it. So that was the only reason. And the matching day, uh, I thought I was gonna have another matching day. So that was the initial reason. And then it just came down to came down to Tina Turner or Joan Rivers. And I, I love my comedy a lot. And Dane, Dane, as you said, Dane really thought about it. And the fact that he had a massive legendary comedian and a massive legendary artist on each day, I thought it was really cool. So it would just be dead cool to see Joan Rivers. Not as as much, Tina Turner's great, like great fun. And I'm just not like a a massive. So that's, yeah, essentially that's what it came down to. Joan Rivers or Tina Turner. And I picked Joan Rivers. Bring back Celebrity Deathmatch on MTV and they come back. (laughs) I I mean, I feel like that in my head, I can see that episode. (laughs) I could see that. Um, So, yeah. What about yours, mate? What what about your first, uh, your first day? So
0: I did say there were some rules uh, for this episode, but that doesn't mean that rules aren't there to be broken and bended rather than broken slightly like a shatterproof ruler. And we've had two (laughs) guests come on this podcast, Matthew Crosby being one and Max Rushton being the other, who have put their entire festival on one single day. Uh. And so I have decided to have the entirety of Matthew Crosby's one-hit Wonderland as the opening day of my dream festival. Is anyone really surprised? No, like Tommy said, when that episode happened, I have a real fondness for for one-hit wonders. And there's some absolute classics on there. Um, You know, you've got things like breakfast at tiffany's by Deep Blue something you've got steal my sunshine by len you've got uh, the new radicals you've got four non-blondes you've got some amazing songs on there they're only performing them once and i don't know what it is about one hit wonders that makes me so obsessed and, and love them nostalgia but they are just that. brilliant yeah i think there is a lot of nostalgia behind it um i'm also obsessed with one cap wonders people that only played for England one time and I think it is like you give your entire life to be a great footballer and the pinnacle is to play for England or you be a musician and the pinnacle is to have this song that's loved by everyone and you only do it once and you also you'll always get to hold that one moment close to you and it's sort of Icarus flying close to the sun you've almost got that notoriety that you've had a full England career you've had this huge recording career and you've just got the one bit of it but it must be incredible to just still have that one song and for everybody to know that one song and for it to be so hugely famous and so hugely popular. And I would just love to be in the audience when, you know, those first few bars of Breakfast at Tiffany's come on and yeah. spell it out the top of my voice like it was karaoke.
1: An that, amazing song. That analogy, mate, that's such a good analogy. Um, I've, I've never thought... I, it, it just, you touched on it there perfectly, really, that it's bordering, it's bordering on total, like, it doesn't matter how many catches you, you have, you know, or how many hits you have. It's bordering on tragedy and complete success. Like, and I don't know where it lies on that, uh, on that sort of scale. Like it's, you'd be buzzing, but then also you'd have so many, like for the rest of your life, you got this story to tell but then so many regrets as well, like that you didn't push on and do more.
0: Yeah. And I um, think everyone so, only David knows. David Nugent's
1: about. doing well, aren't he?
0: I know. Fraser Campbell, I could go on. <laughs> uh, but everybody, everybody will only ever want you to play that one song. And I've got, a, I can't remember what, which one it was, which podcast it was that I told the story of three of a kind that played that um fresh as ball and they played baby cakes and then they said this song's a new song and they started playing the new song and everyone booed them and said play baby cakes again and so they just play baby cakes again and again i think
1: um is it lauren i feel like it might be lauren's episode lauren patterson but it's just uh
0: it must be great yeah, to have that yeah. song in everyone's consciousness but to just have to com- always play it and you must get tired and bored of playing that one song over and over. Yeah.
1: It's not the same thing, but uh, uh, maybe it was for a while. It's not really, but I remember there was a period where like, Arctic Monkeys went to, they thought they were a bit too cool for school and they, they went for their big like experimental stage or whatever. And, and I remember Alex Turner saying "It's just like, I, there was a period, obviously they look good on the dance floors. as they break out here. He's like, there was a period where I fucking hated that song. He was like, I, we just, and it wasn't, even though they're you know, they're artists and a very artistic band and they've evolved a lot, he still said it wasn't really an option to drop it from the set list. And he just said so when he played it at that period, his heart just like, he just felt nothing for it. Like he was just doing it as like a job, which is weird. I, I mean, I suppose like the guys playing Baby Cakes, like they probably were absolutely buzzing every, every single time at those three times they played it. Rather than playing it uh, heartlessly, like I said, and, and he grew back in love with the songs. But yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I'm trying to like. Who else did he have on there, Matt? He had um, oh, that's the one I was thinking of, um, Spaceman, which since that episode, I would not be if 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 Spotify Wrapped came at the end of December, I would not be surprised if it was up there. It's a fuck, like, I remember the the fact that he said, like, the best part about that, his mate rings him, like, they're both watching Top of the Pops, and his mate rings him and says, uh, this is the future of music, (laughs) this is, (laughs) this is, like, what we've got to do now, this is, and uh, at the time, I can imagine, I've watched that Top of the Pops video since, it would blow your little mind, like, but what happened to them?
0: I think it's one of that is one of my favourite anecdotes that's been told on this podcast. The story of a very young, probably about I can't remember how old, thirteen or fourteen year old Matthew Crosby's little friend ringing him up, so excited that Babylon's it's the future of music.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, on on Saturday when we had our house Christmas meal and we did this game, we spoke about one. We were picking the five of us, we were all picking our, uh, our favorite, like one hit wonders and we all got to play one. And then we do favorite love songs or favorite Beatles songs. It's quite a good game actually. Um, but, and Luke, my, my, uh, housemate, he had a breakfast at Tiffany straight away. Cause I was like, that would be mine. Cause like of you regaling about it so much, but, um, that story from Matt Crosby is so good that, um, I, I, I've retold that on at least two or three occasions, I've I retold that the other night, it's it's so lovely, it's, it's one of the good things about this podcast, not one of the good things, there's a lot of good things, but finding out stuff like that is so funny just to imagine it like you say,
0: It's just, and that, that day is, would bring so much, nostalgia. there's so much music to pack in as well, and yeah, I think it is a nostalgia a element like you say. And, uh, yeah, so I've bent the rules, but not broken them. My shatterproof ruler remains intact. <laughs> thank you, Matthew Horan. Not Horan, so, Crosby. I, no, Matt Horan. I, I, oh, I've sorry. I've bent the rules. I've not I'm broken with you. the I'm rules. With you. Sorry, I'm with you. I'm with you. So um, thank you, Matthew Horan and Matthew Crosby for that day. Anyway, moving on to day two, two of our
1: festivals. Just before you do this, I'm Just going to go for Wade, if that's right. Yeah. Two seconds. Yeah,
0: ready. So those up. are <laughs> so sorry. So those are the first days of our festival. Should we move on to day two? Beginning with what's the second day of your festival? What have the the inhabitants of Melbourne got to look forward to?
1: Inhabitants of Melbourne. That's the name. So that could be of... the name of your festival. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: or the next yeah, church party okay. album. Yeah, no, fuck you. You beat me to it. More of a Luke King vibe, but yeah, either or. It's a movable feast. So for this one, I um, I mean, I looked, basically, Johnny and uh, listeners, I got my list down. <clears throat> Excuse me, I just run up the stairs. Um, I got my list down from, I mean, Johnny had his prepared, what, a week, a week ago, a couple of weeks ago? Years ago. It's
0: always Years been there uh,
1: deep down. <laughs> prophetic, yeah. Um, pathetic or prophetic, however you want to see it. All right, Brent. Um, <laughs> but so I got my list down from after going through like our notes, that was the best way. Initially I was I was gonna start like listening through, and I was like, that's gonna take way too long. Um but looking through our notes and like when we scribble them down um whilst people are talking. I came down to about 10 days altogether to reduce down to this final three, obviously. And it was very nearly, it was very nearly um, Reese James with his Friday night, which was uh, Kendrick Lamar. Um, and then he had like Tyler Creator, No Name, Scissor. Um, <laughs> and I got in brackets Scissor and then in brackets Cap Dealey. Uh, I can't quite remember how we got there. <laughs> but so it came down to that for the Friday or Saturday, whichever one you like, I suppose the party night you'd call it. Um, and well, it's always the best night in my festival as well. That, that kind of middle night um, when I go to festivals, I mean, whatever they were and whenever they may come back, but uh, I can't, I half revealed it in the last, uh, the last one when I said it had to be a Chris Warburton day, that wasn't the Prince day. I mean, I could have had Prince twice, I mean, that's still feasible. Maybe I'll check. No, I won't. But Chris Warburton on his uh, Sunday, I believe. And I know know you said we have to have the whole day. And I suppose I'm bending the rules a bit here. Although I wouldn't complain if the rest of his day was included. But he did it in two segments. And to be fair, Matching was right. He did take the piss a bit. He had like a multitude of, of... an endless list of guests. But on this, the first half of his Sunday, he had just all the best hip-hop, like my, like classic 90s, late 80s and early to mid-90s hip-hop. So it was Tribe Called Quest, Public Enemy, Gangstar, and then the headliners of that first half of that day um, at Fort Bayard were Beastie Boys. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've gone for for my middle day of the festival. Just because, um, I feel a bit silly now because I've I've not done a silly day really like Johnny's, but I had to, I could not have the Beastie Boys. They're like one of my most listened to this year. And in fact, I've always loved them and I realised I have a few Beastie Boys vinyls, but after recording that with Chris and yourself, and it was you saying about that Sabotage video on Letterman, which I'd seen, but not for some years. And I I watched that and I was just like, God, they are... Like, I, I just forgot how good they were, basically. I'm not got into, had a big, like, delve into them for a couple of years. So, yeah, had to have them. And Public Enemy just won the best. Travel. Everyone he mentioned, Chris has got very good taste. We go to a lot of, uh, well, we used to go before all this, we used to go to gigs together. And he gives me a lot of good recommendations. And yeah, that 90s hip hop is possibly my favorite. It's my go to music that I'd listen to. So, all, all those acts are just. Yeah. Spot on for me, Johnny.
0: You do have to have the rest of the festival, but we can always put it in the car park.
1: Uh. I can't think is I can't remember what it was. LCD sound system headlined, I think. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. No, yeah. Primal scream, LCD sound system, some other great ones, which I love all them, but they're not reflective of my favorite uh, thing about music. So maybe, maybe we could reverse the day. Would that be allowed have like that, that in the earlier part of the day? And then those be the headliners, the the hip hop stuff. Or just put them in the car park, like you said.
0: Yeah, just put me in the car park, <laughs> in the back of in the back of a car. Yeah, yeah, like like
1: um God, I can't remember was it I think it was Ivor Graham who mentioned it. Uh, it would be reminiscent for L C D sound system of when they the saddest gig ever at Tea in the Park. When no one saying in front it. of about fifteen people. oh God, it is for such a massive band who people really love who've been away for so long and to see them playing. Oh God. Yeah. So I mean, at least they're used to it. They can just, they can do that again. It's fine.
0: You also mentioned Public Enemy as part of that day. And it just reminds me of when Felix talked about how they went on tour with Public Enemy in Australia, which is obviously where your festival is taking place and some of the stories that he had a Flavor Flav on the oh, back of a jet ski. Um <laughs>
1: And, and, like, yeah, again, like you said about um, Matt Crosby's anecdote before, about him and his little mate, that's one of my favourite anecdotes that I do retell people, the, the whole flavour flavour thing, flavour flavour on the jet ski. Uh, <clears throat> Felix doing his impression, which was cute and hilarious, but but, um, but the fact that he, buddy Felix, stayed in, like, he became pen pals with Chuck D for a bit, like, they are still emailing each other, which is... Yeah, really nice. It's, it's mad like doing this podcast, and you find out things like that. Um, obviously, I know Felix and like because of Tailenders and stuff, but I'd never know that. That's such a, that, you know, Chuck D's one of the greatest, most respected rappers of all time. And then Felix White, just little Felix White from uh, the Maccabees and Tailenders is just mates of him, just pen pals. So yeah, great. Yeah. I, 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 uh, what I asked before, sorry, was would you... Uh, I suppose you don't know the rest of you. Actually, I think my final day might surprise you, actually. But we'll get on to that later. But I, I'm guessing that's no real surprise for you that I picked that.
0: No, because you did tell me that you were going to pick that and that was one of your guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was only guarantees, mate, so it didn't really come as much as a
1: surprise when you already know it. That's yeah, but I was changed like. my mind a lot. I was flip I even I even nearly flip flopped just then from M to MJ from Prince. So you know.
0: Yeah, true. But I think it's um it was fairly obvious from what we'd spoken about yeah, off mic, point. um on WhatsApp, uh, about about what you thought <laughs> anyway, it was
1: gonna be. What's yours, mate? What's your uh Friday, Saturday? we'll, we'll say Saturday.
0: Well, we'll talk about we we talked about um someone that met Chuck D. We've also had another guest that has met Chuck D at the side of the stage at the Karanga Awards. And that man was Mr. Edward Stevenson Gamble. Yes. And he I think very obvious, you I think you picked this out um as one of the days that I would most likely
1: straight pick straight away. Straight yeah. away. Before you even told yeah, th- this but when you introduced the concept, this is like my first it's straight to my head.
0: So I've gone with Ed Gamble's um, Slipknot Day, um, which I think was very obvious uh, from, from a lot of people that listen to that episode's point of view that I was really into that choice from Ed uh, of Slipknot. He also picked Mastodon on that day. I'm not a massive fan of Mastodon. I know little bits and pieces of them. Um, but to get Slipknot on, I'll take the hit and have Mastodon come on and do their concept albums about whales and uh, <laughs> the, anim- the animal, not the country. Um <laughs> So, yeah, Slipknot. And that was... we Me and Tommy have discussions sometimes when we have a guest and um, who, who we think they might pick. And sometimes we get it spot on. We got it spot on when Asim picked um, Tupac. We sort of predicted that. Um, yeah. Sometimes we don't get it spot on. When Ivo came on, I think we thought he might pick the National and LCD Sound LCD System. LCD Sound System, pick which he did
1: mention them, but he didn't pick them in the end.
0: But when we got Ed Gamble coming on, we sort of knew that, yes... He was going to pick Slipknot, Um, and Slipknot are such an incredible band. I've never seen them live, and listening to Ed talk talk to us about when he saw them at Maid of Vale in front of a hundred people or whatever it was, and they still put on the same sort of performance. Ideal for you, wouldn't
1: it? Like in that that situation, the Maid of Vale situation, rather than a big festival.
0: Yeah, you know, just my back garden um yeah. <laughs> the way, uh, social distancing with all the members of slipknot plus myself uh, would be quite <laughs> difficult um, in my back garden but yeah Slipknot are just an incredible band and what makes them so great is the fact that they they have this uh look that is quite intimidating quite scary and i think you saw it with bands like i think we mentioned at the time kiss and alice cooper and bands like guar and other other people like that not uh, yeah marilyn manson as well um but Slipknot are making really good, and I know a lot of people won't appreciate me saying this, but they write a lot of good pop songs as well that are really catchy, have really good hooks. And um, When I was in a yeah. band, which we've never really spoken about on this podcast, it's always about... Oi, oi, tell us more. <laughs> always about, buddy, you know, Lou
1: Party or whatever Church it guy. is, and Church King <laughs> and things like that. Church King! <laughs> That's not bad, actually. But Go when on.
0: I was in a band and they were, we were an awful hardcore band, um, but we would always warm up on practices by playing before I forget by Slipknot. And yeah. it's just a, that whole subliminal verses, volume three. It has duality on it. It has before I forget it has pulse of the maggots. Those are really good, catchy songs, but the people singing them are really intimidating and scary in their boiler suits and clown masks and helmets with things coming off them all different angles. And, mm. We, we spoke about uh, on that episode as well with Ed, the news round reaction to Slipknot and hearing kids really believing that Slipknot were this horrible, intimidating band that threw animal guts and dead crows into the crowd and things like that. And that's the reputation that they had and they were absolutely notorious for this sort of horrendous behaviour, which in truth, and I think we spoke about it a bit on that episode with, with Chris Warburton as well about... Um, when uh, Beastie Boys first came over here with Run DMC, and they were labelled the most terrifying acts in the world, and this yeah. sort of moral panic that happens when these bands—it
1: was literally, first emerge. literally from in the in the Beastie Boys book, which um, Chris lent me, um, which I've asked my nan for for Christmas. Um, she, they, uh, they have a lot of. Uh, big spreads like double page spread it was literally that beastie boys thing was it was literally on the front page of the uh, the mirror i think like it was front page news that they were just the fact they were coming to england
0: and it's just these these reputations we saw it a lot with um most of our listeners will hopefully hopefully remember 9-11 it was quite a big news event um, and the columbine shootings and in, in that time marilyn manson and eminem were obviously opposite ends of the scale to one another musically and and things like that, but they were held up as these horrific people that were inspiring, less so 9-11, much more so Columbine, but they were inspiring these horrific, world-changing, catastrophic events. And in truth, Brian Warner is just a normal guy that found white makeup and, you know, contact lenses, and he writes pop songs. I can't believe he dead-named him. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Brian, if you're listening. But you know, Slipknot are on one of those bands, but Slipknot can back it up with these incredible songs as well. They're not just out there to scare and intimidate people and frighten audiences. They have legitimately brilliant songs, and even their most recent album. You know, they've been doing it for 20 plus years now, still keeping their masks on and boiler suits on and etc. But they're still writing these incredible songs, and I'd love to see them live. And Ed. I spoke passionately about Slipknot, but Ed is absolutely obsessed with them. And I, what I also want to mention about Ed is he turned up to our recording, one, with a moustache, which um, I don't know if that got mentioned on the actual podcast, <laughs> and two, he'd fully planned out his day on a spreadsheet, I think, and was like, had, well, yeah. his entire festival he'd planned out on spreadsheets, and he took it very, very seriously. Yeah, I remember I remember at one
1: point just saying... Um because uh, you know early on that's a massive name for us and it was amazing um for him to come on when we when we you know had when well we basically just started it was a pre-record um but yeah I remember <laughs> it's one of the things that was saying I, I remember saying to him um oh if you if you gotta you gotta be anywhere like we're probably about it was quite a long record that we're probably about an hour or so in that's like you gotta be anywhere He's like no, mate, can do this all day if you want. <laughs> 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 um, which, yeah, it's it, either way, though. It's, I, I mean, even our latest episode with uh Darren Harriet, like, it was quite chaotic, and I, I don't know how much he planned, but like, it, it's still, it's still funny. And incidentally, actually, like, linking to Slipknot, he had uh. He, he didn't have them on his festival, but he said, You know, I'm, I'm a black guy and I'm like, you know, into my hip hop and like stereotypically and stuff. But it, what does he say? Like what we like to call like white, white, white guy, white boy bands or something. But he said Slipknot, like every year on his Spotify raptor, always like one of the one of his top five played artists. Which um, I don't know. And me, who's, you know, a, a white boy, but like a, a white lad, like into his hip hop and indie music <clears throat> i fucking love slipknot and i don't like i'm very open-minded when it comes to music but i mean wait wait and bleed is still one of my favorite songs like i i listen to that at least at least a couple of times a week i remember the first time i saw the video of them playing live um it might have been a because a... you know when they did like the resurgence the Rebranded Woodstock in the late nineties or whatever. Yeah, um, I think it was one of them. But people chucking, slinging mud and stuff. But I remember seeing that video and just being like, and like you said, all the mythology around them at school. I was fucking. I remember my mate saying like when we were about thirteen, saying so like, "Oh, do you want to go? Like, going to try and get tickets? Like back then, like phoning up or or queuing up or whatever to get physical tickets." I was like, no. No, no, goddamn way! It Seems like the most scariest thing in the world. I don't want like, I don't want them like shitting on stage and throwing dead crows at me and and, and such. Um, you not seeing what the Daily Mirror have been saying about them? Yeah, oh, <laughs> front page news, mate. But and I, you know, like you're right. It, I, I like the way you spoke about, it, but in in the sense, and also in the sense that I, I don't think there's, I don't really see maybe it's because of my age but i don't really see much of that anymore that sort of mysticism and um almost fantasism within music like they're almost like orcs off lord of the rings weren't they like i, I mean i suppose the, the close you got in recent years is like machine gun ke- not machine gun kelly oh god what's his name I don't know, one of the SoundCloud rappers who got sent to jail it turns out it's like a terrible person. And the same with like, oh, that triple extantation uh, who got shot, but he was, again, a terrible person. Um, Slipknot showing you that you can be scary and terrifying and make music without being, I don't know, an abuser or a, uh, a rapist or something like a lot of these sort of adored, dark sort of gothic rappers are, are these days. And I'm sounding more and more like the day male or an old man as I speak, but um, yeah, there's not as much to that these days, like just people in costumes, for in- for instance, like that's just cool as fuck. Like those boiler suits, just great,
0: yeah. It's good to have an aesthetic and stick with it, yeah. like they have done their entire career. And then I know like Corey went off and did uh, Stone Sour and he took the mask off and sort of revealed who he actually was. And uh, it was a bit like when Kane in WWF got unbreakable. Uh, um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, when it became messy. corporate
1: Kane. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's a bit weird. But um, anyway, Tommy's just opened a can. We'll move on to day three of Tommy's <laughs> Festival. It's the last day. Who are you going for?
1: Okay, last day. This was a tough one. Um, so I think I said to you that I very nearly... Uh, I, I really wanted the Beach Boys in there. And um, it was, uh, the Magic Gang were the only people to choose the Beach Boys. Because they're, they're, for me, Brian Wilson is probably like the greatest songwriter of all time. And like pre- like his harmonies and the melodies just like make me cry, blow my mind. And um, so I really wanted them in there. But then I looked down on the uh, on the lineup that day and saw Haim. And this I've seen Haim a few times nothing against them i'm just not that just not that into them anymore um and i know they keep making good music and getting good reviews i think it might be a, th- a thing in my subconscious like my ex from like i mean we're talking like seven years ago six seven years ago we used to like we saw him a couple of times there might be something there where i'm like i don't want any kind of association with that um so i went with quite a simple choice um and i don't know if this is influence probably is and it was a kind of last minute one as well it was i was the the final day you kind of have to reminisce on a lot it it has to be friday and saturday you can you can fuck about it but you can have like as long as people are enjoying themselves sunday has to be the right tone and the right sort of mood I remember seeing Kasabian on a Sunday night at Glastonbury and my mate tripping on acid because there was loads of, you know, there's fire and everything everywhere. That's not the right movie for a Sunday night, so I don't want something like that. So I've gone with probably the greatest band of all time, uh, Ellie, Ald- Ellie Aldroyd's pick of The Beatles. Um, and I don't know if it's timed with this new trailer that I've watched about 16 times, this Peter Jackson, this unseen 52 hours of footage of the Beatles. And he's released this trailer of them. Just, it looks like it could have been recorded last week. And they they just look very, very happy and, and normal lads or whatever. But um, the Beatles, since I was about 10, have been... Like, before I got really into Prince or the Beach Boys and understood more the intricacies of music, the Beatles is someone who just, even if you're three years old, I think there's that line on Superbad uh, where it's like, um, oh, it's like the first time I heard the Beatles, I think when Michael serious character's singing. And, it, you know, the first time, I remember when I first heard the Beatles. Also, my nan's really into them, and that's the thing we share together. She definitely won't be listening to this. She doesn't know how to work podcasts, but I've got her like a, a Beatles framed picture for, for Christmas. We always get each other Beatles things. But the fact that the specific thing that I liked about it, because Ellie bless her, she was, she's a legend. I've just realised as well, her and Chris uh, Five Live Breakfast Weekend co-presenters. So there you go, that's nice. They can both be on the guest list, but she, she wasn't sure if she was kind of, I don't know, cool enough or like right to come on the podcast. So I had like I was down in the park. It was like I think just it was quite early on, like when lockdown stuff begun. I was just like. Yeah, you know, sat at a distance or whatever, watching my mates uh, skateboard. I think I was playing cricket with the kid from next door. And I, she kept, we stayed on the phone for a good hour whilst I was just kind of outside, um, hanging about with, with people. And uh, she raised it to me then, it's like no one ever saw the Beatles past uh, Help maybe, or Revolver thing. Anyway, 65 or 66, they're really early stuff. But all the best stuff they did, like, um, you know, yeah, Revolver Rubber Soul, Sergeant Peppers, Abbey Road, Let It Be, other than for, for that rooftop, that one-off rooftop performance they did, that all came after they stopped playing live. So to see those songs live, I really had to think about this one. I really had to, like, deep down, like, rather than trying to look cool or thinking, like, what would be funny or whatever, I like, if I got the chance to see the Beatles play those songs that no one's ever seen, like that would be probably the best thing for me that I could ever see. So, yeah, that was a very like heart, heart, uh, I don't know, a very instinctive sort of decision.
0: We did think as well when we first started this podcast, we did mute the idea of having a Beatles buzzer because we did did, predict that everybody that came on would probably end up picking the Beatles. And I don't think it was until Ellie came on that anybody picked the Beatles. Yeah,
1: Um, Uh, it was Rich who, I think Rich suggested that. And I I think it's because, like I was trying to do, until I picked this, and I realised that it was, you know, the second half of their career. Um, And it's probably what I'd do if I was a guest coming on this. I probably, you probably try and think a bit too much out of the box sometimes and come up with some, like... And I do think there is an element of people trying to, wanting to look cool or whatever. The Beatles are very cool, obviously. Like, they're, they're timeless, but... Yeah. It, I, I'm, like you, surprised, but I think people probably, probably negate them because they just assume that everyone will pick them, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I something. wouldn't. No, I know you wouldn't, yeah, but... They're very popular, Johnny. <laughs> so I've heard. Um, I've heard that particularly. Best rumor. of the Beatles. Um, so yeah, so that's my that's my uh, final night. What about you, Johnny?
0: Well, I think when um, when I first came up with this concept and uh, asked Tommy what he thought, and then we started coming up with our ideas for our days, there was a couple of days that I thought we might argue over who got to pick it. I think one of them was Ed Gamble's um, Rage Against the Machine and Run the Jewels day, Good which time. I'm surprised Tommy didn't pick, but I thought he might pick it. Very close um, to But it. I'm not a massive fan of Run the Jewels, but I do really like Rage Against the Machine, never got the opportunity to see them. Um, but at the same time, I think I would rather see Slipknot than Rage Against the Machine, so that took that day away from me anyway. Um, the second day that I thought that we might argue over who got to pick it was yeah. when we had Nathan... Doctor Nathan Stevens Griffin from Martha on and he Legend. picked a day where he had the replacements and Bruce Springsteen. He also had Martha play that day as well, which really cemented it for me that I had to pick that
1: day. Before before because... you b- before you um, elaborate on this, which will be beautiful, um, I I don't think I've told you this, but I think if you had a to if you had to pick that, I I would have had that. I would have I would have had that despite everything I've just said about the Beatles <laughs> like with you and your I'd Can probably I probably shock quite... you <laughs> yeah. I would have picked that despite what I said earlier but no I I I would have I would have had to fit someone in, fit that one in there sorry go on
0: it's quite it's quite all right <laughs> um I've got used to your interruptions by now I know I know <laughs> sorry I'm terrible
1: my my dad but... was there
0: in terms, of, in terms of one, I'll talk a little bit about Nathan. I'm a huge fan of Martha. They're an incredibly um, important band for me. They're someone that I discovered maybe five or six years ago. They are a constant on my Spotify wrapped um, in the top three, not just the top five. The, the fact that all four of them share the vocal, share songwriting um, between them, some of the some of the lyrics that they come up with i know nathan when he was on said that they just pinch bits of other songs and amend them to be a bit more relatable to them but i constantly drawn to they've got a song called do nothing and um towards the end of that song there's a very simple line that just says everything is infinite but nothing is eternal and it's just one of those lyrics where it just stays with you for so long. They've got another song called So Sad, and the the end of that song just has... um, I'm so sad I, I want to cry, I don't know why, basically... And that's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I think we've all been there, where we just feel like we need to cry, but just don't know the reasons why we want to cry. And they're just to be able to sit down with Nathan, and I know he was very apprehensive, in the same way that Ellie was actually apprehensive that maybe he didn't have the status to come
1: on this podcast. Matching but, as well, matching and Chris, yeah, but also four of all great episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have invited these people on if we didn't want to hear what they had to say about music and what they would have, um who they would have picked. And for me to sit down with Nathan, albeit Tommy had to be there as well, <laughs> but to be able to sit down and talk about I'm these also sort of a Marvel things. a Yeah, to be able to sit down and talk to positive. a member of yeah. my favourite, one of my favourite bands about the music that he likes and that inspires him. And for him then to pick, I already sort of knew, we already said with Ed that he yeah, would we pick... Said, yeah. um, Uh, Slipknot and we sort of knew with Asim Chowdhury that he would pick Tupac and we've already talked about that but with Nathan I really thought he would pick The Replacements and there's a lot of clues in their songs they have you know one you know that's entirely the whole title of the song is just about, about Paul Westerberg and there's lots of references to Replacement songs in that song as well and so I thought I knew that he would pick The Replacements and then to be able to sit down and talk to him about what makes The replacement so great was just amazing. The Replacements are one of my absolute favorite bands, and then to then let Tommy know all about the Replacements, and Tommy to then come away and just constantly listen to them yeah. on repeat for days afterwards. So They've just become one
1: of my. You say days, months. They've become months, one of my favorite bands. Years band. to come. Like, like They're just an incredible. Not, band. not just, not just. Yeah, yeah. not just a uh, listen for. Yeah, like, like you said, for the next few days. Like, they are a, a band that I will. I, I will, without being, um, without being lame, I don't know, I don't know how, how else to say it, um, but there, there'll be a band I'll listen to forever now and who, like, mean a lot to me now, and this is what, in, what, three, four, four months since we recorded that episode, but it will always remind me of, like, I'll know, I'll know this exact pinpoint of when I first heard them, properly anyway, and when I first got into them, and it will always remind me of uh, of you and this and uh, and Nathan. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. When
0: people say they but know who they were, they know so where softening. they were when
1: they know where they were when JFK was
0: shot. Tommy knows where he was when he first got recommended the replacements. <laughs> it will go down and go down in history. But they are just an incredible band, and they like I said, with Martha, so their, their, their songwriting, the replacements for a band that was so linked with the diy hardcore movement of these like late 70s and 80s in america and whose whole they were incredibly trouble banned by the fact that all of them had issues with alcohol and they go on stage drunk and their basis was only like 12 or 13 when they first started out and first started making music they have these incredibly touching songs and touching lyrics and they're relatable in a way like if a song called kiss me on the bus and when you're a teenager and that's you know. You, you're going somewhere with your girlfriend because you can't drive and you want to go to the cinema. You're sat on the bus with them going to where you need to go and you just want to kiss them. And that's the sort of relatable lyrics that they have. They're not trying to be grandiose. They're not trying to be this incredibly important band. They're not up themselves. They're just this idiot hot, like punk band that then, you know, tried out different things, tried acoustic songs, tried getting horn sections onto their, onto their records as well. They're just a fantastic incredible band and I've been very lucky to be able to see them albeit you know only half the original lineup, on a tour that they didn't really want to do but as soon as those tickets went on sale and they were only playing London dates I knew that I had to go and book a hotel and go down and see them in London as well
1: I, but of I, course that sorry I know I, I, I saw I saw Neutral Milk Hotel in the same circumstances and who were dearly beloved to me but um you are white I, after all yeah <laughs> yes uh but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it like, I don't give a fuck that it was that they were doing it for the money and they pro- they might not want it to be there. Like it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll remember that gig for the rest of my life, as I'm sure you will with the replacements. Exactly.
0: But the headliner for Nathan's day was, was Bruce Springsteen and I'm not a massive fan of Bruce Springsteen by any means. I like the hits, you know, Thunder Road and and born in the USA and things like that. Um. But to hear Nathan talk about why he loves Bruce Springsteen mm. and to hear that story mm. about Bruce Springsteen's support of the miners in Durham, and yes. Durham's incredibly close, not just geographically to Nathan, but I know he's incredibly proud to have come from Durham and everything that Durham have done in terms of you know, the social movements that have come out of Durham and the Durham miners and the fact that the gala still goes on now to pay homage to those people that, that st- struck... Um, at the time because of the horrific conditions and the way that they were being treated by the government and things like that. Bruce Springsteen to play a major role in that and so to hear Nathan tell us that story as well. We've talked about some of the anecdotes that we've really enjoyed. Matthew Crosby talking about his friend discovering Spaceman um, and, you know, Felix White Felix. saying that he got to go on a, an aeroplane and a jet ski with, with Flavor flavor. But to hear Nathan talk about Bruce Springsteen's incredibly uh, pivotal role in helping those miners out is was just to be able to sit here and listen was a real privilege. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Martha. We talked about in the episode, our cover photo on our Twitter account is I'm wearing, an, I'm wearing a Martha t-shirt. We got a thank you from Nathan for that as well, because it helps Aww. spread the word. Not quite sure how much of the word has been spread by the fact <laughs> that I'm just wearing a Martha t-shirt on that one photograph, but every best. little helps. But yeah, that was a day that I absolutely <laughs> really wanted to pick. I would have, you know, been upset if Tommy had picked it ahead of me um, understandably so because at least one of us would have picked that specific day but yeah one of the great parts of this podcast is the fact that we've got to sit down with people that we both really look up to whether it be Felix whether it be Ellie, Nathan, Ed Gamble, um, Asim Chowdhury you know yeah. these incredible people that we look up to and we've been really privileged to be able to sit down for an hour and two hours and talk about music and hear what they like and hear the stories that they have to tell. It's been great. Um and, you know, there's no way better way to end a festival than to have Bruce Springsteen play. I don't, couldn't think after already seeing Martha and the replacements and being in Newcastle and he can tell us all about, he can tell us all about how he helped out those people in Durham, just down the road as well. So the thing is, you know, what the end. thing is about
1: the boss is he wouldn't, like that's the sort of I know he wrote a fucking like an eight hundred page book with spelling mistakes and stuff, but um, he's he is he's I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan, um, so yeah, like like you said, even if you even if it's just the hits, the hits are the hits are bloody incredible, and he's just like from that was another one. Even though I was already into Springsteen, like that exacerbate my love for Springsteen and like wanted that was I, I think I remember telling you and this was more out of um it was kind of out of uh what's the word love for you I suppose but all, all out of I, I was just I, I, I really wanted to get that one right so I was like I've spent I've been fucking editing this one all week I've been making sure it's perfect um so luckily it wasn't one of the ones that had like a random 30 second gap where I <laughs> shifted this, the audio over or something. Um, but no, that, that's, I'd never say my favourite episode uh, uh, publicly. Uh, but that is definitely like, that's like top five. I'll say that much. That was my top five. And I i discovered Martha from um, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend who's from Durham, and we're, you know, we're still... She's one of my best friends, like, um, still. Uh, and a lot of my friends... Well, the two girls who introduced the... Uh, whose episode was it? Matchings, wasn't it? G and Amy, shout out to them. Um, they, they're they from the North East as well. Uh, one's from Sydney, one's from Newcastle. Uh, and so a lot of my friends in Manchester, funnily enough, uh, like the last five or six years have been from from that way and everyone who's from that area seems to you know kind of talk about Martha in quite a quite a well, loving and yeah, loving and passionate way I'm, yeah that's it really so they yeah I would say big friends of a podcast like ever since that they follow me on Twitter and then they always just like you know when I came out as buying and stuff just like just sending like lovely stuff like you're a fucking legend mate like well done so yeah great people great Nathan's a great lad and uh, yeah I, I mean I think we can both mutually agree from like kind of how uh, we've both stopped being silly for 10 minutes once. Um that that, that would be that would be the uh, yeah I feel like that would be a special day even whether it's at your location but I feel more so at Nathan's location it would be really special that day
0: it would and that's both our festivals finished, so Tommy, do you want to run through what our lineups are?
1: <laughs> Fucking, hell, I not write. I didn't write yours down. Shit, uh, I can remember. I think. Um, right, Tommy, your lineup is. What did you say? Uh, what What do we say the the name could be? Something there. Uh, for mine.
0: inhabitants of Melbourne. <laughs>
1: Tommy, your festival is called The Inhabitants of Melbourne. No, it's not really. Okay, so my festival is uh, at Felix White's location of the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Um, and the first day is Dame Baptiste day, very close to being Michael Jackson and Bill Hicks, but Michael Jackson's probably a nonce, so I didn't go with that, and Prince is the best artist ever. So I'm with Prince and Joan Rivers for my first day. Second day, Chris Warburton's Sunday, which is... It does include LCD Side System and Primal Scream and some other bands. We're going to put them in the car park and we're going to focus it all on the 90s hip hop stuff, which is Triple Quest, Public Enemy, Gangstar, and Beastie Boys. And then Ellie, who, unlike Matchin, who was a stickler for the rules, didn't really play by the rules. Ellie did play by the rules and just had a band each day. We're just having the Beatles, but post, uh, post Hard Day's Night, post, you know, the stuff we never saw live. So the 66 onwards stuff. Uh Johnny, I'll edit this out. Just remind me of your uh, first day.
0: Uh Matthew Crosby.
1: Matthew Crosby, that was it, yeah. So Johnny's Festival. Oh shit, location. Oh yeah. Time it's, Ty Mouth
0: Yeah. Lauren yeah. Patterson.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So Johnny's Festival is um Time Mouth, which was Lauren Pat. Pa- sorry. Johnny's Festival is located at Ty Mouth which is Lauren, fucking hell! Johnny's festival is at Ty Mouth, which was the location of Lauren Patterson's festival. Um, so he has gone for the first day is Matt Crosby's one hit wonder day uh, with a multitude of bands. Probably about, probably end up on about sixty odd bands. And um, you know what? In the broadcast, he didn't. In the podcast itself, he didn't actually name them all. So that, you know, there's plenty more where that came from. Uh, the next day, unsurprisingly, is Ed Gamble's Slipknot Day. Um, we've mastered on, we, we're not really too asked about that. But yeah, we're, we're going to go see Slipknot. And then his final day is a day we both love very much, as you probably will have just heard, which is Nathan from Martha's uh, The Replacements and Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Johnny and Tommy, thanks for coming on your first. Uh, it's been great having you. Thank you very much. Thanks and for a, having happy us. Happy New Year. Oh, wait, thank you. On. Let me see if I can. Uh, wait, two secs. I did have a surprise. I recorded it last night, uh, but I, I don't know if it's any good. Two secs. Keep it on record for a sec. Gareth, get the guitar. Hello. Hello. Oh, I don't know what to do. It. It's pretty cringe. Because, <laughs> like. <laughs> Number one, I'd probably take out the podcast. Number two at this point, it's just me and you. So it's just me (laughs) playing guitar to you. And everybody wants to be special. My uh, Paul Westerberg my impression. Yeah.
0: So thank uh, you very much. Very moving. That was a very special bonus episode of Your Fest with me, Johnny Sharples, and our other special guest. Tommy Stewart, Tommy, did you enjoy picking your dream festival based on what did. other people have picked?
1: I did, mate. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'd like to. I wonder how close it is to our actual dream festivals that you might. Not very. <laughs> None of it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well. Um, yeah. But no, I I really enjoyed that. It's the nice thing about it, you know, end of the year, end of this terrible year, that a lot of people it's well it's been a terrible year for a lot of people but it's nice to look back on what we've done spoke to a, you know a big range of people and just look back at some of those great great episodes if you don't mind me saying myself and just thinking about festivals in the future like almost drawling over festivals in the future via the medium of hypothetical ones to the point where, Johnny, I don't know, could, would you even go to a festival at this point once uh, we're all vaccinated and stuff?
0: Absolutely not. Ah! <laughs> Bastard! Anyway, like Tommy said, we've had some incredible guests on so far this year, so we just want to say thank you to each and every one of them, which is Rhys James, Ivo Graham, Maisie Adam, Nihal Aithronaika, Ed Gamble, Suze Kempner, Dame Baptiste, Felix White, Lauren Pattinson, Asim Chowdhury, The Magic Gang, Gus and Paris, Ellie Aldroyd, Max Rushton, Nathan Stevens, Griffin, Lucy Porter, David Lloyd, Josh Berry, Lloyd Griffith, Olga Koch, Chris Warburton, Matthew Crosby, The Orioles, all three of them, Matt Horan, Andy Zoltzman, and darren harriet and thank you to everybody that has listened thank you especially to juliet for running the out of context your fest account and thank you listening to us if you've enjoyed the podcast please go back and listen to our previous episodes if you really enjoyed the podcast we would very much appreciate you telling your friends about it and leaving us a review we are an entirely independent podcast we fund everything ourselves from the hosting to the equipment that we use we get all the guests off our own back we're not part of a network we don't have any subscription services like patreon we are um really grateful for everybody that has listened to it so far and in the words of taking back sunday tell all your friends about (laughs) this incredible podcast we'll see you again in 2020 but firstly if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow us and on instagram at your Fest podcast you can follow me on twitter but not on instagram at johnny gabriel and you can follow tommy on twitter and instagram at
1: tom andrew stew baby
0: and we'll see you again next year for 2021 when festivals might actually be back.
1: Hopefully. Bye. Love you. Oh, can I just echo what Johnny said as well? Um, just, uh, yeah, he spoke on my behalf and our behalf, but yeah, thank you so much. And we do this for the love. Like we do, as Johnny said, like it, it, it you know, no one's paying for us, us for this, but we do because we absolutely love it. So thank you for listening and please spread the word. And those, the iTunes reviews the five stars and just write a review like massively helps with the algorithm and stuff so we're not desperate we I think we do it forever for free but you know just keep supporting us and um, we love it we love you sorry johnny thank you
0: love you bye and if anyone from latitude is listening <laughs> give us some <laughs> tickets yeah I'll prepare. love you <laughs> bye love you bye <laughs>